and let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thus far in our sermon series, looking at the Gospel of Mark, we have set the stage by looking at the uniqueness of Jesus. God come in the flesh, the servant king of God who is worth following. Today, in our passage, we are presented with two miraculous healings which reveal even more about who Jesus is. That's something we want to keep in mind as we consider the miracles that Jesus performed, and as we think about miracles in general. The acts themselves are incredible, but we don't want to become so enamored with the miracle that we lose the one who performed the miracle. What does the miracle show us about Jesus? In these cases, we see Jesus' uniqueness on display yet again. See, normally when we think about memorable kings or rulers, we, we tend to remember the, the negative ones, I think, more often than not. We think of conquerors and, and tyrants like say, Hitler or Alexander, or maybe the manipulative geniuses like Machiavelli or Bismarck. And to be sure, there, there, are, there are positives as well. Churchill, of course, with his ability to inspire people. But Jesus displays an attribute which we almost never associate with our great human leaders. In fact, sadly, it's not often found in human leadership. His compassion. He comes as king and specifically uses his divine authority, his exousia, that word that, that we spoke about last week, it comes up again. He uses it to extend compassion. Let's look at the encounter with the leper first. Here we see Jesus' compassion shown in his will to cleanse and to restore. The language in this passage is, is really it's quite interesting. In, in verse 40, we have this leper coming to Jesus in obvious need. The disease itself makes his need obvious, but the, the language Mark uses to describe his posture and his heart brings, brings it out even more for us. The leper is imploring Jesus, and he's on his knees. But he doesn't say what we might expect. We would expect him to say, Jesus, please heal me. Please take this disease from my body. But that's not what he says. Instead, we read, if you will, you can make me clean. He has to be cleansed, not healed. But what's the difference? Well, to answer that, we need to know a little bit about leprosy and, and the effect that it had. See, leprosy is a highly contagious disease that affects not only the skin, but all parts of the person, their blood, their bones, everything. And lepers at this time were forced to stay away from people. They had to live in an isolated or a segregated place. They couldn't touch other people. They were not even allowed 
to approach other people for fear that their disease would pass to them. So complete was their separation from society that when they were around other people, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. And to make themselves look as downtrodden as possible so that no one would want to come near them. Well, we don't have to walk around saying unclean. The more I describe the plight of the leper, the more familiar it might sound given our current circumstances. We can relate to the leper to a degree given our own isolation and our own uh, distancing from one another. But even at this point, the leper's situation seems to be one that needs to be healed, not cleansed. Well, what takes the plight of this leper to the next level is that he would have been deemed ritually unclean. And this meant that he couldn't go into the temple or to, to synagogue. He couldn't be part of religious services. He would not be allowed to approach God. And often the thinking was that the leprosy was a punishment from God for, for one's sins, as we see in a few different places in the Old Testament. This leper, then, is one who is completely separated from society, both physically and spiritually. The leper's life was one of isolation in every possible form, and it was utterly miserable. The Roman and Jewish historian Josephus likened it to being like the walking dead. The leper's condition was heartbreaking and seemingly hopeless. For the leper to be restored, he needed more than healing. He needed cleansing. That's the background that we need to have so that we understand just how mind-blowing the compassion of Jesus is. See, first we hear that Jesus was moved with pity. That would not have been the expected response, given that the common understanding was that leprosy was a punishment. But rather than seeing someone who needed to be punished, Jesus saw someone in need of mercy. It's a complete reversal of how most people would have seen this situation. Verse 41 continues, He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. The words are incredible. With, with the words, the leprosy is driven out of the man's body and life itself returns to him. Bishop J.C. Ryle, reflecting on this moment, wrote this. Who can conceive the greatness of the change in the feelings of this leper when he found himself healed? The morning sun rose upon him a miserable being more dead than alive, his whole frame a mass of sores and corruption, his very existence a burden. The evening sun saw him full of hope and joy, free from pain and fit for the society of his fellows. Surely the change must have been like life from the dead. It's an amazing moment. 
But the truly amazing thing is not just the words, but what comes right before them. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Touched him. Remember what we just said about the leper. No one could touch him. No one could come near him. Anyone who touched a leper would themselves be immediately deemed unclean, unable to enter the temple or come into the worshiping community, unfit to be near God or his people. And yet Jesus touches him. And by his touch and his word, Jesus is not made unclean, but rather, as one commentator put it, the leper is cleansed by Jesus's contagious holiness. The physical cleansing is remarkable, but what would this have done for the leper's soul? The ability to approach a priest again, to come into the worshiping, community to have what was viewed as the punishment of God lifted from him. Or even just the joy and comfort of having someone touch him. When was the last time we could wonder that the leper felt the touch of another person? When was the last time someone else would have felt comfortable in his presence? When was the last time someone would have looked at this man with pity mercy, and extended compassion. By his touch and his words, Jesus cleansed this man of what made him physically and spiritually unclean, and he restored him to life. Once again, he was a part, able to be a part of society, able to live with others and know things like friendship and love life of shame and uncleanness, gone. We can relate a little bit to the leper's physical situation given our, our quarantined life that we're living right now, but can we relate to this spiritual situation? To having something that is so deep set in our lives that it affects all parts of us. Something that makes it impossible to approach God. Something that makes us feel guilt and shame and, and worthy of punishment. The answer is yes. Sin is our leprosy. Sin makes us spiritual lepers, separated from God and unable to make ourselves clean, and often sin does make us feel unclean, doesn't it? Haven't there been times when you committed a sin, or perhaps you saw a sin committed by another person, and it left you feeling unclean? Ashamed, maybe? Feeling like you didn't want anyone else to come anywhere near you? Here's the truly amazing thing that our compassionate king does. In touching the leper, he comes into direct contact with that which makes him unclean, with what separates him from God. He takes upon himself the disease that was killing the leper physically 
and spiritually. He takes it upon himself and he conquers it. It does not make him unclean. Rather, the leper is cleansed. So the leper has done, or so Jesus has done for each and every one of us by taking our place on the cross. By dying the death that we deserve for our sin, Jesus touched that place in each of us that makes us unclean. He took it upon himself so that we no longer need to carry it. We no longer need to feel guilt and shame, but can enjoy the new life that Christ has purchased for us through his blood. Jesus takes away the leprosy of our soul. Once again, Bishop Ryle's words are helpful to us. He writes, There is no heart disease so deep-seated that he is unable to cure it. No plague of soul is so virulent that our great physician cannot heal it. Let us never despair of anyone's salvation so long as he lives. The worst of spiritual lepers may yet be cleansed. That includes us, friends. I think a lot of us need to hear that, don't we? Because a lot of us think that our sins are unforgivable, that we have done things that not even Jesus could deal with. But it's not true. There is sin in your life that needs cleansing. There's something that makes you feel separated and alone and unable to come near to God or to his people. Jesus died so that you could be relieved of that burden. Confess it to him. Confess it to him and receive the cleansing power of his shed blood. Confess it to him and receive the new life given to us in his resurrection. I will be clean. Those are his remarkably powerful words. By his compassionate touch, and word, he cleanses us and restores us to new life. So Jesus' compassion is shown in his cleansing and restoring power. It's also shown in his willingness to go deeper than we knew we needed. To see this, let's look at the second healing in our text, the healing of a paralytic man. In this account, we have an incredible act of faith and perseverance. The friends of this man bring him to see Jesus so that he might be healed. Finding their way blocked by a crowd, they begin to literally tear the roof off the house just so that they can get their friend to him. Once he is laid at Jesus' feet, Jesus sparks a, a mini battle between himself and the scribes. He says to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes are thinking, how dare he? Only God gets to forgive sins. This man can't do that. Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, makes this kind of, kind of odd statement. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. That's what happens. So what's going on here? Well, this account brings out the fact that Jesus came to deal with the greater problem. Without question, he can heal our physical afflictions. He can give this man the ability to walk and move again. But more than that, Jesus came to deal with sin. You see, when we're in need, all we want is to have that need met. This paralytic and his friends probably thought that if only he could be restored physically, then his life would be great. It would be exactly what he needed. It's what we all think. We think that solving the presenting issue is enough, that if only we're, we're healed, or if only we we're given that new job, or if only, if only, if only. He can give us those things, or he can physically heal us, but we will get sick again. We will need more money again, or more food again. What Jesus came to do is give us the healing that will last, something that only he can give, the forgiveness of sin. Tim Keller, whose work on this passage that uh, I'm, I'm greatly indebted to, wrote this. Almost, all, almost always when we first go to Jesus saying, this is my deepest wish, his response is, we need to go a lot deeper than that. In response to the challenge of the scribes, Jesus uses the word that we mentioned earlier and that we spoke about last week, exousia, authority. He is showing the scribes and all that are gathered that he has the divine power to deal with the problem that truly plagues us. He shows his ability to deal with the presenting problem by saying, rise, take up your bed and walk. But he only does that to show that he has the exousia to forgive sins, to deal with the greater problem. In his compassion, he uses his authority, his divine power, to go deeper than we would ever want to so that we can be given what we truly need. He says to us who are spiritually paralyzed, rise and walk, your sins are forgiven. We want to focus on the surface level. And that may be something serious, don't get me wrong. The surface level is important. But what we need so much more than that is what only Jesus can give us. He shows his compassion by showing us that he's willing and able to deal with the problem behind the problem, with the, the sin that truly plagues us, and by faith, forgive us that sin. One last thing to talk about this morning. Jesus shows us his compassion by cleansing and restoring us, and by dealing with what truly plagues us. And he also shows his compassion by redeeming our afflictions. There's two unifying pieces to these two accounts, and one of them is affliction or difficulty. Now, I'm sure that neither the leper nor the paralytic would have chosen their condition, and yet it is because of their afflictions that they come or are brought to Jesus. Their conditions leave them in a place of utter des desperation. 
Think about it. The leper, according to the law, was not allowed to even approach people. And yet in his desperation, he throws himself at Jesus's feet. It's as if he is saying, I have found one who can cleanse me and nothing will prevent me from getting to him. The paralytic and his friends are so desperate that they destroy a house just to get to Jesus. Nothing, not crowds, not even a building will prevent them from getting their friend to Jesus. Without that leprosy, without that paralysis, would either of them have ever met Jesus? Now, I'm not saying that all of our problems that we face are, are gifts, but that this account should challenge how we approach our affliction. You know, it's really easy to be living through COVID-19 and feel despair and frustration or depression and even anger. I know I felt some of those things throughout this time. Had moments of thinking, where are you, God? Why are you doing this? Like, what's happening right now? All I want is to be with your people and doing kingdom work. Why won't you lift this virus so that we could do that? And that's just when I'm focusing on me and my perceived problems, never mind the huge problems the world is facing. That's a response we could have. To be honest, pointing the finger directly at me, probably not that fruitful. There's another response we could have. We could say, Lord, I don't know why this is happening. I don't really know how to respond to it, but I know you're God. I know you're a Lord who is full of compassion and abounding in steadfast love. Would you help me to trust you? Would you help me to follow you wherever it is you are leading, even though I don't have a clue where that is? Would you help me to receive out of this time whatever it is that you have for me? Would you help me to see how you've been working. And make no mistake, God is working. We may not see the fruit of it the moment that we are able to gather together again, but I promise you that Jesus is working right now. He, in his compassion, is using the afflictions we face to bring us to him. So often it's what he does with our afflictions. I know of a, a man, a friend of mine, who was struck blind. And it would have been very easy for him to give in to that and give in to depression. But he has told me repeatedly that it was through being made blind that he came to know Jesus. And he has said each and every time he wouldn't go back. He'd rather be blind and know Jesus than have his sight and not know him at all. Jesus used his affliction to bring him to Jesus. He's a remarkable man. One day I might even invite him up to St. Aidan's to share a word with us. What God so often does, he uses our afflictions and by it he produces the second unifying thing in our passage is faith. 
It took utter faith for the leper to come to Jesus. He was risking it all. It took utter faith for the friends of the paralytic to do whatever it could to get to Jesus. They knew they couldn't solve their own problems. They knew they couldn't heal themselves or cleanse themselves. They needed a compassionate king to do that. They needed God himself. Affliction produced faith. Jesus forgives him, and he cleanses him. And the scribes ask this question, who can forgive sins but God alone? You know, it's amazing and heartbreaking all at the same time that our hearts can be so wrong and yet so close to the truth. Only God can forgive sins. The scribes are 100% right about that. And so it's a good thing, it's a really good thing that God himself came in the person of Jesus to cleanse us and forgive us. And he used the affliction that these men faced to bring them to a place where they saw their utter need for Jesus. How many people is he doing that for right now? Just the other day, I had a conversation with a neighbor who, to my knowledge, is not a Christian. And even she spoke of how she was hopeful that maybe through COVID and what we're facing right now, people would see that we actually don't need what we think we do. That we've been trusting in all the wrong things. It turns out that's my prayer too. <laughs> that she and countless others would see that we actually can solve our, our surface problems with things like money or possessions or a good reputation. But the real problem is only solved by Jesus. It is only solved by his grace faith. Or to once again use the words of Bishop Ryle, people are not lost because they are too bad to be saved, but because they will not come to Jesus so that he may save them. Is that what our affliction is doing for us right now? Are we responding with despair or getting angry and rebelling against God? Or is it bringing us to see our dependence upon him? to see our need for him, to see that only he can satisfy what we truly need. Will we respond with faith? Will we throw ourselves at the feet of Christ and find in him one who is able and willing to give us our deepest and most heartfelt needs? Jesus is the compassionate king who takes away what is plaguing us and uses it to bring us to him. He cleanses us and gives us the new life that we need and could never give ourselves. Will we have faith in the compassionate King Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that you did send Jesus for us and that you use all that we are facing to bring us to you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see how you are working in these days and that you would give us hearts to respond by faith, to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and find in him one who is mighty to save. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.